Hello and welcome back to Future Prairie Radio, where marginalized artists explore the future through the lens of the arts, humanities, and culture. I'm your host, Joni Whitworth. This is Season 5, Episode 6, The Garden of the Future, with Jesse Karsten. Jesse is an artist based in Portland, Oregon, making music under the band name Half Shadow. You can hear snippets of their music throughout this episode. Their 2019 album, Dream Weather It's Electric Song, was called a carefully thought out work, dare we say masterpiece, of poetic devotionals to the natural world, the subconscious, other realms by Antiquated Future. Their 2022 album, At Home With My Candles, was recorded during quarantine for COVID. Those songs chart the beauty and strangeness that domestic life can conjure at once, ordinary and utterly mystical. I'm a big fan of Jesse's thoughtful approach to internal work and experimental art making. I hope you enjoy this dreamy walk through their process. Here's Jesse. Hi, I'm Jesse Karsten. I use they and he pronouns. And I'm an artist, poet, musician, performer, mythologist, and psycho-spiritual intuitive here in Portland, Oregon. My music project is called Half Shadow, uh, but I also write papers, give lectures. I've done a good deal of performance art, and I publish poetry. And um, my cat is here now. I also like to think of myself as a psycho-spiritual intuitive, which to me just means having an an intuitive entrance into the psyche of the world, which is really important to my creative practice as well as my tarot reading practice. As a musician, my project is called Half Shadow. It's a solo project and has included other people in it. And it has been active for the last nine years here in Portland. I've always played music, but that's been my name and project identity for the better part of this last decade. It's something I really, really care about. I've been thinking a lot about the purpose of music at this moment in history and what we've sort of been using it for. And my intention has always been for Half Shadow to be a deeper exploration of life and vision and experience and deeper realms of seeing and being. It has a very organic quality to it. It's folky in some ways, it's rock and roll in some ways, it's experimental music, it's spoken word, it's poetry. I like to think of the music as sung poems. And having a writerly background, having studied poetry in college and elsewhere throughout my life, the songs really have a sort of literary quality to them too. They have a play in language. Um, so that's that's very important to me too, for the language to evoke beyond personal feelings, although those are there too, for sure, but for them to be expansive, for them to reach out into the ether, into other people's experience too, in a way that isn't just singing about love, although I do some of that as well, speaking to something deeper all the time. An important part of my Half Shadow project is the performative side of it. Um, I incorporate performance art aspects into my shows And that's something that Half Shadow is known for now, are these sort of wild shows that kind of go in lots of directions. I engage the audience a lot and break the fourth wall constantly and tell jokes and do small performances between and during songs. 
but I always try and keep the performances very humble to just playing an instrument, singing, no effects really. It's homegrown, but it's also sort of cosmic and it's also sort of experimental. And I just can't help but put all of those things in there. Just feels important to incorporate all of that. That's what I feel called to create with that project. My intention with the Half Shadow Project is to invoke deeper realities for sure, to expand what we think we are experiencing here on earth, which I know is a rather lofty goal for a sort of indie music project. But I do think it's possible. I've been studying Sun Ra's, uh, the mystic jazz musician's work for a while. And his stuff has really influenced me in terms of thinking about the power of music itself and how it can create larger effects uh, in the individual, but in culture too, in community, and even in his world, even in, on a cosmic level. So that's sort of where part of the cosmic aspect of my work comes in. I want to transform things. I use that word constantly, transformation. I want the music to have a transformative effect. I want people to come in and hear the music and feel different afterwards. I think in the future, music should have this kind of intention, maybe for everyone, I'm not sure. I guess I like to think of myself as a sort of spiritual musician, engaging that transformative capability in sound to create transformation with the music. And to bring joy, I want people to feel joy. I want people to feel a lot more alive listening to it. I want the erotic potentials that are latent in experience to be invoked and evoked and given more power. I think that's very important. And I don't think we're doing enough of that in terms of what we're making in the music world. You know, the way capitalism shapes the music community and shapes what we do is really sad in terms of the incredible power that music has within it, what it can do. Well, I've always been interested in the spiritual dimension of being. Since I was a little kid, I experienced strange and beautiful things that were outside of the realm of uh, the ordinary. My mother also was an influence in this regard. You know, I, I always say I didn't grow up in a spiritual household, but my mother was an influence in the sense of she believed and I think still believes in UFOs. And that's part of our conversation that we have. And she had some very kind of breathtaking experiences with extraterrestrial experience. I also grew up sort of watching TV that was about the supernatural and so all of those things definitely have affected my worldview and um, allowed me to uh, witness what I'm experiencing that might be out of the ordinary in a, in a more clear and present way, letting it in. So that's sort of where I started. And as I got older, I just was interested in spiritual practice and dreaming. Dreaming is a huge thing for me. That's clear to anyone who's heard my albums, I think. There's an investigation of the dream world too, which to me is, is equivalent to the spiritual dimension, or maybe is it. I've always meditated and done sort of, and just had a sort of uh, experience of awe and uh, in witnessing the beauty of the world in witnessing the sort of connective aspects of the world, the emotional connective aspects of the world, which to me ride the line of being something truly divine. I feel like the spiritual comes in in that moment in a really direct way. In the last few years, I've decided to um, sort of formally study all of this by 
going to grad school and studying mythology and spiritual traditions and religion, um, which has given me a really great language for talking about all of this with just sort of a clear feeling, being able to articulate some of these experiences that I have and I know so many other people have too of the spiritual dimension. Visually speaking, the way I like to present my music and the rest of my artwork too is just, I like things that kind of sparkle a little bit or have a sense of electricity running through them. One of my favorite musicians said that a guitar is like a lightning rod. And I really love that notion. And so I think I've tried to get that into my artwork, just, just a feeling of a sort of pulsation or the aliveness of reality and wanting to spread that vibration have people uh, run into it, feel it in their own bodies. So there's a sort of somatic transmission that I want to happen. And I feel like the visual can really do that. I know Sun Ra too, in designing his album covers and whatnot, wanted the visual itself to be musical in a certain way. So I'm trying to do that as well. When I design a t-shirt, I don't want it to be a sort of static thing. I don't want it to just be for wearing. It's not just utilitarian. It's got to resonate in a certain way. These most recent t-shirts I made, which are hand-dyed indigo shirts with a sparkly white lettering on them that says, ask me about telepathy. I feel like imagistically and color-wise, they sort of sparkle. And there's the sort of performative question of the text on them which is meant to instigate strange conversations between strangers for the wearer, um, <laughs> which I know, you know, selling these t-shirts recently, people have been like, well, what am I going to, what should I say when people say, ask me about telepathy? And I say, well, you have to see what comes to you, <laughs> what kind of conversation you want to start. It's funny because people get really excited about it. They really want one they feel really, really attracted to it and excited about it as a sort of living piece of art. But then there's also this anxiety about having to engage the public, which is another important part of Half Shadow. Just like, I love to engage the public because I want, I want to get into talking about really exciting and vivid subject matter. <laughs> I'm constantly thinking about what is the little nudge that could get people out of the box they've, they're inside of. And if they could just get outside of it for a moment they might have an experience of awakening or inspiration. So gentle nudges or invitations for people to have a different conversation or to experience themselves or someone else differently is, is definitely a territory I love to play in and experiment with. Some really beautiful feedback I've gotten recently from a few different people who are half shadow fans is they feel like the music is a portal into other experience. Not everybody puts it the same way I do as like a portal into a spiritual dimension or into a dream. They definitely feel that there's some sort of psychic texture built in that allows for change in some way, or that a different experience might be possible through it. There does appear to be some effect that people are experiencing that is beyond just enjoying it. There's definitely enjoyment there too, but it seems like the sounds are affecting people in some way that's that I perhaps didn't anticipate. But that's also funny to say because work on this last album I made, Dream Weather, it's electric song. I worked so hard to make all the sounds really potent. Like I didn't want any sounds on it that didn't feel 
resonant or didn't feel exciting in some way, I guess they do have an effect. They, they can maybe open a doorway. I have a new song called Moonless Unmoored. It's going to be on the next album that I'm almost done making right now. And the chorus goes, what door can you open onto timeless shore? An ocean breathes in a midnight, moonless and unmoored. And I feel like that suggests the kind of portal that might be being made by these songs and the kind of portal that I'm trying to make to bring astrology into the room. I have a Pisces moon and a Pisces rising. I am sort of naturally open in a lot of ways that are complicated and exciting, but I feel the sort of openings in space and time and in social experience and in emotional experience. From the place of home, I just feel all these openings, all these portals outside and out there into the cosmos to take it to a really mystic place. But when the weather changes, I just feel it so intensely. And there is a sort of portal in that of uh, being really connected to nature, feeling the, the rhythms of nature. And then in doing the reading I do, reading about mysticism and about religion, there are all these doorways in there to different ways of thinking and di different ways of experiencing life and finding meaning in what we do, how we act, what we make. So there's portals in that too. In doing tarot work, doing tarot readings for others and teaching tarot, there's tons of portals available there as well into different states of being and modes of selfhood. Even uh, wild sort of psychic breakthroughs, changes in self that are unexpected. Yeah, I'm always feeling these portals and I'm, I'm growing into this idea of being a portal artist. Maybe I make portals, maybe that's my thing. I'm not much of an astrologer. My sister is the astrologer in the family. I'm constantly turning to her for counsel about the stars. The symbolism and the metaphorical side of astrology really enters into my practice and enters in through my body and my personal psych experience. Having a Pisces moon, I'm super susceptible emotionally to any shift in the atmosphere, Social experiences are really overwhelming for me in a lot of ways. 
community experience can be very overwhelming because I'm taking in lots of different emotions constantly. And so part of my creative practice is to respond to that experience and to write it down and to sing it in hopes that that might be useful or connective for other people. You know, for me, it's cathartic in a certain way just to get it out that I have that experience because it has been a sort of shadow in my life in a lot of ways to be super sensitive and to be super receptive and super porous. That sort of feeling definitely ends up in the work. There's more than a few songs in my collection that speak to that. I do see tarot in a certain way as a performance. And when I'm with a client, I'm sort of performing the tarot because I'm really just a channel in that moment for whatever kind of experience that other person needs to have. I'm just there reading the cards, letting whatever needs to come through, come through. And that requires communication and translation and often like a good deal of bringing out the poetry of the moment, the poetics of the moment for that person. And so I definitely see that as a creative act, bringing the sort of poetry or the sort of underlying story that the tarot is telling for this other person. In that way, it's related to my art practice. I haven't for a long time done any translating of the tarot into creative work, although there are a lot of tarot images that make their way into my songs. You can hear in some of the songs, images from the tarot, like the star, the star shows up a lot. But for me, it's all sort of connected anyway, dreams and the tarot and a sort of astrological reading of of human experience, metaphorical enclaves for understanding what we're experiencing here, which I think is deeply mysterious. And these metaphorical and symbolic paths of mystery allow us to dig into it more and, and reveal more of it to ourselves. Another way that I look at the tarot is it's like theater. This sort of comes from Alejandro Jodorowsky, who I've learned a lot from in terms of tarot. But he talks about the tarot as though it's a theater and the sort of figures in the tarot move around and talk and give counsel. It definitely feels that way to me. So there is, there is a theatrical quality to it. And I also bring a lot of theater into doing a reading as well, because I think sometimes when someone's sitting in front of me and they need, oh, you really need to, to break up with this person or something. Sometimes they don't really need to hear that because they, they can't take it in. If the tarot is telling them something like, hey, it's time to really reevaluate your connection to this other person and how it's working and whether or not it's fulfilling, et cetera, et cetera. You know, sometimes it really helps if I knock all the cards off the table, you know, then it, it's kind of a shock. And sometimes then we can, we can get to a deeper place. So I do employ things like that sometimes, which are very sort of unconventional methods of, of doing a psychic reading. But I love that stuff. That's where it becomes art for me or a creative experience. I don't want to imply that I know exactly how tarot works because I do think it's a mystery. And um, when I'm experiencing it, I'm just listening and paying attention and following what I hear and see and know in the moment. Um, but every so often there is a voice that sort of whispers very gently to me. And I, I really do think it's the voice of the tarot in a certain way. And it says, okay, you know, knock the cards off the table knock it off and they'll, 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 get, they'll get the message. You know, sometimes someone seems very depressed or they seem like they're just struggling in themselves and they're kind of locked into a, 
an experience that doesn't serve them. And then I'll say like, let's just get up and shake it out. Let's just get up and dance or, uh, or let's sing this one right now. If it's, if I'm talking to someone who's a singer, we'll like sing a new mantra that they need to break through to the next place in their life they need to go to. I love to employ all sorts of different performative tactics to allow the reading to be as potent as it could be. They, the music and the spiritual work, they're sort of like a yin yang in a certain way. They speak to each other and they're inside of one another. They support each other. For one of the recent Bandcamp days, which is when Bandcamp gives all the money that comes through Bandcamp to the artists, I decided to put together a live album of songs from mostly from 2019. And I do this every couple of years. And that's why this one is called Birth of the Illusion Florist Volume 2. Um, Because there is another one. It's out of print. It was just a cassette that came out many years ago. But because my shows are so elastic and incorporate so much audience participation and have so many unexpected things occur, I often record them, usually just on my phone. But I love to just keep track of how I'm sounding and how the different versions of songs kind of unfold. And it also helps me to just know to hear myself, to hear the poetry in the music, to hear how what I'm saying might be coming off to the audience. It's also just great to hear friends' voices involved and things like that too. So anyway, I created this album, which is just some songs from 2019, from different shows all over Portland. And there's there's a few from a show in Oakland and they are just electric. These songs, they're just kind of wild and you can feel the immediacy of the experience in the room and also the sort of communal aspect of it too. I call the series Birth of the Illusion Florist. It always feels like a birth playing live. It's extremely raw and extremely emotional and has a sort of visceral sense of becoming about it. So it feels potent to give it that name. Um, And there's some really hilarious audience conversations in these recordings that I just left in and the conversations are just great. They, they kind of get at this sort of split between the spiritual dimension and, and the real dimension and the sort of performative quality to kind of connects all of those things together. Because often during my shows, I welcome people to ask questions. I'll stop the show and say, okay, does anybody have any questions right now? It doesn't need to be a question about this show or about me or about this music, but you can just me- ask me any question in the universe. People will ask really sort of ordinary things like, what did you eat for breakfast? And then other people will go for the gusto and just say like, what's the meaning of life? And then I'll sort of be challenged to try and answer that on the spot. It's definitely a great exercise in first thought, best thought, or in sort of meditative immediacy. And I sometimes come up with pretty good answers. So there's some on the recordings. The first one's called Having a Party, which I improvised on the spot. It's sort of a chanted song. That one's great. For a more rock and roll one on there, there's the song called Body of Mist, which I think really speaks to a sort of elemental psychic vibe or awareness. When I think about the long-term future, I think the first thing that I get hit with is sadness, especially this week with the further political turmoil that is erupting into consciousness this week. But the next thing I think of always is, is a sense of of hopefulness. 
And I think about how can we dream a new reality into being and how are each of our individual dreams part of that? And I speak to that both in terms of the literal dreams that we have at night, because I think our dreams are constantly sending us messages of how to proceed in life in a way that's more connective and ecological and vibrant. And then there's also how we're visioning collectively the future, which I think is supported by night dreams and dream work. So I guess the thing I really think about the future is how do we as individuals with each of our unique visions come together to create a bigger, better, more inclusive, more beautiful, more poetic, more caregiving vision. And I do think that art plays a really big part in that. The visualization of the vision, it's the embodiment of the vision towards a better future. I hope that all the young people younger than us who are coming to maturity right now are going to be able to manifest from themselves uh, deep solutions to the ecological collapse that we're experiencing right now through deep wisdom, more poetic science, art that actually moves people to experience themselves in a more total and transformational way. And that we might be able to rebuild from the culture we have now a new one that is more beautiful, more active in terms of garnering beauty and connection that allows for people to thrive. I started watching the TV show Cosmos last night again for a moment. And there were so many images of these sort of crystalline cities in the sky, but that's the future. Every time I see that, something in me says like that, that is not the future. I think I subscribe to something a little bit more akin to what Ursula Le Guin is seeing in her book, The Lay of Heaven, in which a man who's a dreamer and has a special power that his dreams become reality. It's a sort of dystopian novel. There is something really powerful in there that's if you don't suppress the dream, but instead learn to experience it in a potent way, then there is a sort of beautiful blooming of the garden of the future something springs forth from the unconscious that's really potent. So I guess my hope for the future, my vision of the future is we will learn to listen to that information and that vision that's coming through that wisdom and build from there rather than from a sense of economic drive or ego drive, rather from a place of ecosystemic connectivity and generosity. This episode was sponsored by Oregon Humanities and the Oregon Community Foundation. Thank you so much for supporting our work. It means the world to us. The episode was written and produced by me, Joni Whitworth, with interviewing support from Hannah Hefner and edited by Ellie Swope. The music is by Half Shadow, which you can hear more of on Bandcamp. That's halfshadow.bandcamp.com, but it's spelled H-L-F-S-H-D-W.bandcamp.com. If you have any questions or feedback about this show, please feel free to reach out anytime, futureprairie.com, on social media, at futureprairie.